Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment, where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hello, hello. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast for the second time today. I'm Alexa. I'm Ambrosia. Hi, everybody. And we are so honored to be joined by Aaron Bahia. Oh, God, I messed it up, I think. It's it's all right. Did I mess it up? Oh, Bahia? Yeah, yeah, you missed. Bahia, Bahia. Nobody Bahia, gets it right. Bahia. Don't worry about it. Bahia, uh, Canadian entrepreneur living in Bali, a coach who has launched four heart-centered businesses in four years. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're so excited to have you because we had your uh, business partner or your, your, your co-founder, um, yeah. Dave, on here the other day, and we just got into such a long conversation with him. He was great um, and, and really excited to have, have you here today. And, um, and yeah, you know, we were talking offline and we were like, wait, wait, we got to like start recording because we're getting into too much of the juicy stuff. So, you know, any, any new person... Uh-huh who's here, we really love for them to share a little bit about themselves uh, to the audience and a little bit about their their story and, you know, how they, they got to be where they are right now. So we'd love if you could share anything that's that's relevant. I would love to. Uh, first off, I just want to say thanks again for having me. And like Dave and I are like the inverse of you two because we saw um, your website and we're like, yo, Dave, they're like the like the female best friend versions of us. And like, we loved it. And so it was super cool to like, to like connect with you two. Cause it's like, we're like the version of you guys in Bali. Like, it was like so interesting to see that. And so I just, I'm that. happy, yeah. happy to be here. Alexa, yeah, I want to be cool. the version of Great us website. in Great. too. I was joking. What did you say, Abby? I said, I want to be the version of us in Bali as well. Can we make that happen? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I can help you guys make that happen. That's a part of what I do now too with my coaching. So uh, I'll, I'll get into that. But I guess my little story is I, I grew up in East Vancouver, Canada in a rough area. Um, I know a lot what it's like for to, to be a, a tale of transformation because I was definitely not not where I'm at today in my past life. And, you know, I, I grew up the fat kid. I was bullied. Uh, I didn't want to be bullied anymore. I wanted to be a tough guy. I got into drug dealing and organized crime, I guess, as now after you do all the spiritual work, you can see I was compensating, but I could see I wanted to be somebody that had power and success and women loved and yeah, I wanted that in my life and I went deep into it. And when I finally realized that the money and the power was fake and um, none of this really mattered, I then got out. I did a plant medicine called iboga, which is intensely scary, but it really worked. <laughs> and I and I saw on a uh, on the come down from iboga, I watched Eat, Pray, Love. This is like a real story. And I was like, wherever that is, I need to go there. I need to figure out where uh, that's Bali. Okay, like where is Bali? And I had to Google where Bali was. And then I had to Google where Indonesia was because I, like, I thought it was near Japan or something. Then I booked a flight, came here by myself, uh, did a yoga teacher training. It changed my life. Um, got into yoga, meditation, did a ton of spiritual work in a very short amount of time because I took my addictive personality from the dope game and from that fast life into personal development and was able to reroute and channel that into something more positive. And from then on, I realized Bali was the place where I could be the best version of myself and I could start over and be someone new. And that was the most powerful thing about here because growing up in my area, you it's not easy to be somebody new. It's kind of like we're put in a box to be a certain person. And I fell into that box um, and I filled up that box. <laughs> and now I was able to come out here and start over. 
and uh, I chose I chose who I wanted to be, and I picked the guidelines for that. So now I'm able to help people on their transformations based off a system that I've developed off of the life that I've lived and that worked to create abundance and, and businesses and a really amazing lifestyle full of love and connection. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's really amazing to hear people's transformations, you know, and just like how you got from one, one end of the spectrum to the other. And, uh, and it's really, really inspiring actually. So thank you for sharing about that. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> I am going to have to switch switch headphones because my Bluetooth just made the dee doo sound that it's going to die. Okay. And, um, all right. I think that you know when you plug something in, it doesn't, it doesn't charge all night. Yeah. Like yeah. That whole thing. Oh, that's probably why. No, but I plugged you. Maybe that's what, what it's doing. Yeah. 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 Don't you hate that when you plug like your phone in and you're like, I plugged you in and it didn't charge yeah. all night. And you're yeah. just like, I hate that- being deceived. You know, the, the, the deceit of electronics is not cool. That happens to me all the time, and my husband always tells me that I'm breaking the cables. Like, every time I try to plug my phone into something, I it doesn't charge, and the cable's broken. And I'm like, is that, like, an energetic thing, or, like, what's going on? Because I, I, I think that's what's going on. It does happen. <laughs> oh, one second. Okay. How's that? Is that better? So that's much, much better. better. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There it is. Great. <laughs> Great. I'm so sorry for everyone having to listen to my opening spiel in those first moments of me sounding like I'm in a, a hallway or a tunnel or something. I apologize. You're all good. You're all good. Nice We're here now. You. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, almost like one of those things where like it wasn't as good and now it's better that you could appreciate now more. So yeah. <laughs> because we were here we were in it for like the the okay bits and now it's even better so it's great Mm -hmm. yes Yes. i like it i like exceeding expectations (laughs) (laughs) set the bar low in the beginning and then just keep going that's great sound quality improved aaron's much more impressive now (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it's it's really nice to hear you and um and and really nice to connect with you because I think when we were connecting offline, you were talking a lot about what's on your heart and, you know, what you've been experiencing lately. And something that you mentioned, it just was really fascinating, which is like this idea that we can plan for anything. And you you talked, you were mentioning that in terms of your transition from being an organized crime to, you know, what you're living now. And would love if you could share more about that, because I think it's an amazing topic. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, it makes me really happy to talk about this, not out of like an egoic space, but that I know a lot of people want to change, you know, they want to to do something different. And there's so many fears around being someone new and different and like, they don't know how. And they're like, I could never be that. I could never be a go-getter. I don't feel like a go-getter right now. Or I could never be a connector. I don't know how to do that. Or I could never be more compassionate. And that's what I wanted to work on first off. And it actually, we can break everything down into a structured science that makes it a, then make a follow a plan out of that. And, and we can do it with anything. And that's what is so, it takes so much pressure off um, your transformation. And so I know it's like a very, like, I'm a very, I, I need structure in my life. You know, I'm like, I'm like a pit bull puppy. You know what I mean? And if, <laughs> and like, if, you, if I don't have that structure, like I'm going to fuck up your couch. I'll, I'll destroy it. But if I'm like, a, if I'm trained, I'm a good dog. You know, that's how I train like my ego, <laughs> you know, and it's like I needed to have that structure in my life. So, you know, I came from a rough place and I didn't exactly have the right role models around me. My mentors were gangsters and, you know, I really looked up to them because they were like, oh, successful businessmen and they were hard and they, you know, they had the nice car and da, 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 da. And then it was like, yeah, but they weren't compassionate, kind human beings. They were constantly looking at the entrance, like who's coming in, scared of getting pulled over, this and that. And it's like, that's not the life I want to live. Actually, you know, I want to, I wanted to live that eat, pray, love life. Like I wanted to be someone who is spiritual and kind and made a positive impact on the world. And, and okay, like, how do I do that? So then I just listed out all the things I wanted to learn in that sense it started with yoga i needed to get into the body first i was a kickboxer before so i went and i taught kickboxing and i thought maybe i could go into teaching yoga like maybe that's the same thing right 
obviously wasn't, but that's what I thought at the time. And, and it, it then showed me, it opened me up to so many more things like breathwork and meditation and conscious relating and authentic relating and, you know, Tantra and all sorts of different avenues. And then I just created a, a North Star of the type of person I wanted to be. And it was somebody that like everyone would be kind to have around. And I was I was known in my old area and I wanted to be known in this new area of someone who did good shit. That's it. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be somebody who did good shit. And I was like, okay, how do you do that? Do good shit. <laughs> so it was just like, <laughs> I started uh, building businesses that were charity centric that had a give back. And I knew that if, as long as I felt like a good person doing good things, you know, it would follow, it would carry that weight around it with me to start changing that idea I had of myself around because I had a lot of shame. You know, I had a lot of guilt you know, and, and, and I had a lot of that weighing me down and the easiest way to get rid of that is new habits. And so I started instilling the new habits of what it would take to be the person I wanted to be. And like we were I was sharing with you before we had our call, cause it was really fresh for me. Like one of my clients, um, we used to hustle together and he got out and he, and I got out, but he, he went into real estate development and business, but he didn't do the spiritual work. He doesn't have the habits to, to, have a strong and content inner game so he still is having the the habits of like the party boy and he's wondering why he's not meeting the right woman you know and he, he wants to settle down you know he's, he's 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 at that stage of his life too and uh how i was able to find like an incredible partner was i made a list and it was just like okay i made a list of the qualities i wanted in a partner and it was like well i want her to be this 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 it was 32 points it was a very extensive list um the more clear you can get on what you want the better you know mm-hmm. but you can't just make that list. You also have to be like, what guy do I need to be to get that woman? Mm. And then I made a list of all the things I need to learn to hold that woman. You know, if she's a strong, independent, conscious leader, like who do I have to be to hold that woman? I can't be a spiritual fuckboy. Like I actually <laughs> have to be, you know what I'm saying? Like I have to be somebody that's gonna be a man enough to hold a, a real woman. And so I had to list out what, okay, what does that mean to be not enough? I asked some women on my, um, some women that I really hold dear to me. I have some mentors that are older women. And I was like, yo, one of my mentors, Denise Payne, I did yoga teacher training with, she's like my spiritual mom. And I was like, yo, what kind of man would hold that kind of woman? She gave me a list. I was like, okay, how do I go do that thing? And, and I systematized it. And then when I brought that, I just know what I want. And when I told my partner, uh, when we first met each other, I'm like, I'm just really clear on what I want. Like, I want to settle down. I want her to be this. This is what I want. I'm not into that. This is, this is who I am and what I want. And she's like, dang, like, direction is sexy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels good to know what you want. And it felt sexy because I was clear on what I wanted. So to tell him that, my client, dude, you got to get clear on what you, who you want. And then, as I told you guys earlier, he made this, like, excuse-ish thing like it's almost like a self-sabotaging type of thinking or like easy to give up because it hasn't happened yet and he's like yo bro like well what if i just haven't found the right person yet because it's not the right time and you know like that kind of thought and Mm -hmm. i was like well in a way that he would understand it uh what if i told you because he's a business dude he can think really well in business he can generate wealth but I'm like, well, what, what would you tell somebody if they're like, well, I just haven't started my own business yet because it didn't fall into my lap. Like it, maybe it's not the right time. You would say, don't be lazy, figure out what you want, create a plan to get what you want, figure out what you need to learn to get what you want, find the resources you need to get what you want, go and build your business and start making it happen. It's not going to close mouths. Don't get fed. Like, go, go get it. And that's what you'd say to them. Right. And he was like, damn it. Yes, yes. Yes, that's what I'd say to them. And I spoke right into his language and he got it. And then I was like, get clear on what you want. Make me your list. I want to hear your list by the end of the week. What kind of woman do you want in your life? And that was like the aha moment for him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that because I really think it's when we're in this like spiritual world, you know, I think a lot of us can be like, oh, well, I'm just going to. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to manifest it. Like, I'll just still sit on my couch, but it'll come to me. And and obviously, I think there is something to say about, like, taking it easy, have having fun in certain areas of your life, to lightening up. That is a part of manifesting or law of attraction, whatever you want to say. But there's yeah. other parts where you need to grow. And you also need, like you said, structure, which I learned this a couple years ago. Someone, I think a coach of mine gave me this um, story about – how structure actually creates so much space for 
play and creativity and um, and us to feel safe within to expand within something because often I'm one of those people that was like I don't like structure I just like to be this like creative like spontaneous person and what I wasn't seeing was that like I I sometimes I would be really creative and spontaneous but other times it, it, I wasn't getting anywhere and I and I didn't see structure as what it is which is actually just a, a container for you to do all the things you want in right. And yeah. so I, I love that you're talking about structure and talking about having a plan because I think when you merge those two things, like sp- the spiritual woo, like, oh, airy fairy type of thing, energy, like spontaneous thing with the plan, you can mash those things together. That's like the recipe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if Dave said it. You had my business partner Dave on earlier and he, he he's like a... M- master manifest manifester manifester that's a hard thing to say back to back master, master manifester <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> so he, that's what he does and it, his meditative power is so deep he's one of the most evolved people i know like dave's a modern day buddha not just because they had the same haircut but um you know he, he <laughs> he's, he's you know he, he 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 crushes that and what it is is like you have the vision to get clear on what you want and, and that really then helps you take the next steps. And, you know, discipline equals freedom. He might have said that as well. We say it a lot around Yogi Lab. It's like we need those structures in our life to be creative. And mm-hmm. I'm totally unemployable. Like I, I, I hate <laughs> being told, like not just because my head is tattooed. I did that after I knew I wasn't going to work for someone ever again. Um, it was just like I hate following other people's rules. And I realized if I wanted to get something done, I had to create my own rules. Otherwise, I wouldn't actually get things done. So being your own boss and actually getting clear on what you want and then holding yourself accountable with your own container and structure is what's going to create your freedom to be your own boss and do what you want to do. But you have to have that structure. Otherwise, like you just kind of float around and don't do anything. And then, you know, you're working in a coffee shop, you know, your whole life. Mm -hmm. No offense to people working in a coffee shop. That sounds condescending. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, you're you're where you Doing don't want to be. You don't want to be. Yes, yeah. that's that's what I mean. Yeah, we both got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> at the same time, so I have a question. You talked about shame that you went through, and you talked about your story and your background and where you are now. How did you emotionally heal the shame that you went through and the guilt that you went through to be able to manifest the life that you have now? Oh yeah. Good, good question. Uh, I just Thank you. I'm talk. here all day, guys. <laughs> I just gave a talk this weekend about this, and I had this really beautiful aha moment. Um, I was in an ashram in India. Uh, I met this guru named Guruji, because this is a very, like, cliche story, but um, the most spiritual moment I ever had. You know, it wasn't in an ayahuasca ceremony. It wasn't in, you know, iboga. It wasn't in, you know, some sh- shamanic mushroom cacao ceremony or whatever. It wasn't. It was in a vegetable market. And me and him, we had a really beautiful connection. One day there was no staff at the ashram and he had to go buy vegetables. And he asked uh, us for volunteers, like who could come with him. And I'm like, I'm going with Guruji to buy vegetables. Like I would have pushed everyone out of my way. I'm going with Guruji. Fuck all you yogis. I'm going me. I was really, I really wanted to go with him. And he picked me and I was like, And um, it was really out of place how excited I was in this like ashram. <laughs> but he, we go outside and we get into his car. And first of all, I was like, Guruji has a car. Like, wow, he's like a spiritual, he's wearing like a white robe and Rudraksha beads and wearing like a Mazda Miata or something. It was so strange, you know? Yeah. And we're driving through the streets of India and I'm watching this guru shift gears. And I'm like, wow, Guruji just changed lanes. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's so interesting for me. Like it's warping my perception around someone that people literally would come and touch his feet. Mm. And I'm in a, car with him and he just merged into traffic i'm like whoa he Guruji just shoulder checked I'm like, yeah <laughs> I, thought maybe, I thought maybe his intuition would even know you know like he's a magical person doing normal people shit and that's yeah. what i loved about it. it was like normal people things from someone who's you know i think he could fly you know that type of practice that he had right he's psychic you know that type of magic that he developed through his years of practice through normal things um so when we got to this market it was a hectic scene. There was probably 10,000 people there, like dogs and pigs and cows and you know, in between dodging piles of cow shit and not losing him in this crowd. I had this moment just seeing him interact and bargaining to buy vegetables. And he was doing it with this like love and presence. Like it was such a deep love and presence that I was like, whoa, like he acted so much different than I acted. My nervous system was still so in shock. It was still so like, I was still new on my journey. I was only six months from getting clean and getting out of the dope game. 
it was like, whoa, we're, we're different. We're different completely. You know, I'm still in this fear mode and I still had so much shame and embarrassment and these just demons inside of me of like, wow, I fucked up in my life and I'm trying to fix it. And da, 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 da. And I just felt this like low self-worth, you know? Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I'm like, how are you able to be this presence of pure love? And like, you seem way more peaceful than I am, way more content than I am, you know, way more loving than I am. And he just looked at me and said, love. And he pointed at my heart. And, and in that I understood, it's like, fuck, I need to love myself and love my demons. Like the parts of me that, that made me really fuck up and the fuck ups I've made, you know, I need to love those. And then I can, I can transmute them. And there's this alchemy in that of like loving the parts you really don't like, they can become your superpower and they can become an epic story told. And I would have been so embarrassed to let people know like, yo, I was a straight up drug addict. I was a drug addicted drug dealer. You know, I was living like Scarface type lifestyle. And um, I would never want anybody to know that in the personal development realm. And now it's something that I can be like, hell yeah, I was. And then I was able to champion it, conquer that and do amazing things afterwards um, and use that as my fuel. Um, and to then help other people through it. And the, the, the gift out of it was I can help other people through it now. And that helps me feel connected to others. It helps me have purpose in my life. You know, it just gives me a more, more of a spectrum to relate to people on than it being something I need to be ashamed about. It's something I can own. And, and so first step was loving it and then owning it and then using it. And that was how I was able to get over the shame. It really was. And it made me feel so much better about any horrible things uh, I thought were, I perceived as horrible. Now they're like, yeah, yeah that happened. Crazy shit, hey? <laughs> no one's, no one's shaming me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was only me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. You're getting lots of uh, hearts and stars and all kinds of things on Facebook. And some people were asking you questions as well. Can I read a couple of questions? Yeah, I want to see the hearts and stars. I can't see them. I just see you two I in the know. Zoom Sorry, we're Thanks. not enough for you. <laughs> you're, so, you're so enough. I just, I love hearts and stars. <laughs> you're enough. You're valid. You're loved. I see you. <laughs> okay. Well, let me read you some of these questions. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the so Forrest Keller said, um, I, I think they were they were interested in like your story of how you made this transition, right? So they asked, did you have a compassionate mindset as a child? Mm, yeah, I love that question. Thanks, Forrest. Um, so I'm from I'm my family is Sikh Punjabi. That's the northwest of India, and there is a. Um, a part of my culture that I understood that I didn't really understand a lot of it. Like my dad was born in Canada. My grandfather immigrated in the late fifties. So my dad grew up in a time in Canada where it wasn't cool to be Indian. Like he was the only Indian dude in the entire grade type of thing. Now Canada is a culture, multicultural melting pot, but he had to deal with racism. We weren't very close to our, our culture, but when I'd go to the temple, Seva was the one thing I understood and that's selfless giving. And that's like, you serve others. So at any Sikh temple you go to, we'll feed everyone. There's four entrances. So anybody from any direction can come and we'll feed you. And that's like a big part of our, of our religion. It's giving. And we're also pretty militant people. Like, the, like there's really scary photos on the walls of like, we're warriors. And I was like, okay, but we feed everyone. And I was like trying to figure that out my whole life. Like, yeah, we're, we're very proud people. We're the warrior caste of India. We were the first line of defense from when the Muslims were invading India and trying to convert everyone into Islam. We were the ones that would die for faith and die to protect other faiths. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, warrior vibes. I love that. Like, I get it. But there's heart warriors where it's like, we'll feed everyone though. And would even feed the Muslim invaders. Like we were so dead set on giving. Um, that was the, the, the pillar of the faith and that like, I wasn't a very religious person. I became spiritual, but I always thought organized religion was like a bit of a sham. Like in my opinion, no offense to anybody who's religious. Um, when I saw that though, like I could understand the giving part. It was the only part that felt safe for me. It was the only part that like I understood. So even when I was a drug dealer, I was a compassionate drug dealer. You know, I was even like, I was, I was, I was good at what I did. Even when I was in, in the game. Yeah, I was, I was, I believed in karma, even in that sense, just, you know, until I really got serious with karma, I could see I was making an outward ripple of, of karmic effects that weren't right there in my sphere. I had to then really own that. But yeah, compassion was something that I saw in me. And I think that's why it made me so unhappy to be where I was out of alignment. Like we can be extra sensitive to us not being in alignment. 
um, because there's really gold in us that wants to be seen. Mm. Thank you for that. It's a good quote. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I should write. I should write that down. I just freestyled that. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm actually curious to ask you. Um, just because, and we talk about this a lot on the show, but I'm curious your perspective because you have a, you know, a trajectory like this. It's like, do you feel like those of us who are here to be helpers and, and kind of do the work that we're all doing in some way, shape or form, that we intentionally in some way kind of set out our path to start in a place that's very different from where we know we're going to end up to teach us, you know, every, to, to give us the opportunity to like overcome or um, uh, face our fears or, or like face our darkness. What's your perspective? Oh, uh, yeah. So like to understand your question clearly, like, do you mean like maybe like a soul path before we were born in these bodies type of question? Like that whole, that yes. whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this topic. It's super interesting to me because like, I think of it in so many different ways and obviously I don't have the answer because I never died and got reborn <laughs> as a soul consciously as right. this tattooed brown guy. Um, but, <laughs> you know, like, like I think it's a really interesting topic. Um, I don't know if I could speak on the, the part of like we were, we were, we chose this path. I just feel like in this, in this consciousness, we choose what to do with it. And we have that choice at any time. So it's like we could either have a bunch of horrible stuff happen to us and then let it like haunt us our whole life and make a bunch of bad decisions and then get goddamn sick of living that life and make a change and then realize, Hey, we can help other people now. Like, I think that's the, that's the route I took um, because I did have real trauma happen to me in, in my childhood and, and in, in my early teens. And that fucked with me for a good eight years. So I got deeper and deeper into the drug game because I, I was hurt you know, and hurt people, hurt people or hurt people make decisions that aren't in their highest good or alignment or compassionate. You know, they're, they're not altruistic decisions. And that's how we see a bunch of people like hurting each other. They haven't integrated that hurt and seen that once you meet it and really meet it, you can then you just want to help people. It's it's usually the case. Right. So I feel like that's, that's like, that's the thing. Like we, we all probably do want to help each other deep inside. We just don't know how, or we haven't met our hurt deep enough. Mm -hmm. Mm. thank you what would you say in terms of when you say like we haven't met our hurt deep enough um what would you say for someone who is afraid to face their hurt yeah (sighs) want to hear a crazy story like a quick one always sure yeah (laughs) It was like 2018 in Bali. Um, I had a Tantra teacher, ex-girlfriend. I was dating a Tantra teacher at the time, but it was a really tumultuous relationship. Oh my God. Um, I had to break up with her. My, 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 my Yogi Lab bros were like, you have to, they had an intervention and they were like, you're losing yourself in this relationship. This person's extremely manipulative and they're like, they're ruining you. And like, I was just like, when your friends have an intervention there, you just like, all right, you're right. You know, I'm, I knew it was coming, but when your friends sit you down and really love you and take care of you, you just listen to them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I broke up with her that day later that night, we still lived together. Um, there had been a string of robberies in my area. This, and I lived out in the rice paddies. We had a house, a cute little house together on the rice paddies. Uh, she woke me up in the middle of the night and she's like, there's people in her house. And I was like, what are you talking about? I thought there was earthquakes at this time in Bali. So I'm like, it's just an earthquake, babe, like relax. She, then I realized she was shaking and I heard something in the kitchen. So I get up, I open the kitchen door. There's two guys in ski masks in the living room. They were robbing the house. And I was like, well, shit, they looked at me and I had my, I used to be a kickboxer. I had my old fight shorts on. They say Baya across the front, East Van across the back. Like I was, I was, they see a six foot yeah. one tatted out kickboxer ready in fight gear, <laughs> ready. <laughs> so, so it was like ding, ding, ding. And first guy jumps out the window. He's like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Second guy, I was already in fight. I couldn't think of anything other than protect her, smash this guy. It just was, that was like my, my thinking. All my training was, was right then and there. So I leaped across the room and threw a jab across the guy. I didn't see he pulled out a sword about that big. Oh my uh, God. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. The story gets gory. Sorry for everyone. Um, and so 
I punched the sword with the with the left jab and I severed my I severed my knuckle tendon. There's still a stitch stuck in my hand. This has been like three years now. Oh um, my god. Yeah, it was intense. The right cross drops him and I'm and I I beat the shit out of this dude, right? Like really bad, and, the, and with one hand, <laughs> and and I had to. And I thought about it, like I had him in a rear naked choke, and I'm choking him, and I was like, "Don't kill this person." Like there's this compassionate side of me. Later, I saw one of my friends who's a psychic. She's like, "The little boy in you had compassion, let him go." And also, I was like, I didn't know the number to call for the police in Indonesia. I didn't know my address. I live in the rice paddy. He's like, what do I do next? Like, I don't have yeah. rope. What am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do with this person rope. in my house? <laughs> what am I going to do with this guy in my house? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I let him go, you know, he was not going to rob anybody anymore. He got it really bad. So I let him go. Um, my hand was like hanging like this. I go back into the other room to check on my uh, now tantra teacher ex-girlfriend. She's naked in the corner holding a crystal wand, a rose quartz crystal, like those spiritual dildos in the corner like this. <laughs> Hilarious. I'll never forget how funny that was in a serious situation. That was yeah. quite funny. And I was like, okay, grab our belongings, get our stuff. We're going to the hospital. We got to do deal with this. Right. So, I get a surgery at this shady hospital in Bali. Uh, I come out of surgery. I can't go back to my house. It's a crime scene, blood and glass everywhere. It's a, it's a traumatic situation. I couldn't stop thinking about the, the fight. I couldn't stop thinking about like, man, I could have killed this guy. Man, he could have killed me. Like I'm, I'm in a fear and trauma response and, and, and it hurt. And I was within a, in the middle of a breakup, you know, and there was a few more things that she did that were extremely uncool that I don't want to bag on her too much, but it was, a, it was a bad, I was in a bad space. I was really in a trauma space. It hurt. Um, and Dave uh, and us boys had a Vipassana planned in Malaysia. We, we go do like one or two a year with the boys. Um, and so we go sit and this is 10 days, a hundred hours of seated meditation, no talking, you're in your own head. And I was like, that sounds terrifying where I'm at right now. And in in, like how I'm at I had nine, it was, it was already planned. We had tickets booked, flights booked, nine days to go do this. And I'm like, oh man. So I talked to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. She was super sweet, compassionate, older woman. And she was like, I don't know if you should do this. You know, like you might be in a bit of too much of a traumatic space. I don't know if you should go to do this situation. If you're going to go, make sure you have an exit plan that if it's too much for you, you can leave. And then I talked to Dave, meditation Dave. Obviously, Dave's like, go, go. This could be the best thing. That, like, obviously, meditation Dave's going to say, go meditate. And he said, go, this could be the best thing that ever happens to you. Go face the pain and, mm -hmm. and see, see what it's like to actually face it. Now, that also sounded scary for me. So what I did in my sense is I leveraged and mitigate, mitigated my risks of me having a mental breakdown by bringing the right information in with me. You're not supposed to read in Vipassanas, but I brought in the right books that would help me exactly at through this so I could like lean on them uh, for support and help. So like, if you're ever going to go ahead and do something like, like it's too much, but bring things that are tools to help you that are healthy tools. Cause you, you, you can lean on the right things. So I'm in this Vipassana. It's so intense. Oh man. I'm just sitting with all the pain and the trauma. I'm in seated meditation. I'm feeling my, my tendon fuse back together and electric nerve endings are shooting up my arms. I'm sitting there in full sweats. I'm thinking of my ex. I'm thinking of the robbery. I'm thinking of the violence. I'm playing out all these situations of like, what if I killed the guy? What if this happened? What if this happened? I can't, can't stop. And then I read this book by Joseph Goldstein, Insight Meditation, while I was in there. And it taught me like actual structures in your mind to get over the trauma. And it was like, well, the thing that helped me the most was ask yourself two questions like is this skillful is what you're thinking skillful uh, is this something that's helping you you know skillful frame of thought is it wholesome is it something that's wholesome it's like well sword fight robbery isn't very wholesome <laughs> it's not a very wholesome thought so okay and i kept repeating that as my mantra while i was dealing with the trauma dealing with the trauma dealing with the trauma by day nine i sat with it so much the whole situation changed and it turned into power and I actually felt it transmute and shift and change that I was actually like, whoa, I feel like a different human being. I, I've met it so much instead of running away from it, like I might have if I was out of there, you know, and in my past, I might have resorted to like drinking or drugs to try to numb it and get away from the situation. Oh, I only faced it. And I saw what that turned into it, it. It turned into so much deep power. When I got out, I was shining. Everybody couldn't believe like, oh, you're different. And I actually felt different because I noticed I can survive that literally and figuratively um i can i can get through something like that and transmute it into power and actually gain all these lessons out of it it became one of the best things that ever happened to me and it made me a stronger human being because i sat with it and i was like i could take that 
and it felt great and gave me the confidence, you know? And so sit, sitting with, with the trauma now, I've seen um, it's the only way to go through it because you're going to gain that gold out of it. Wow. Your life is a movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Number one. I'm a weird character. <laughs> no, it's amazing. I, I love when people tell stories and I'm like, I'm, I see it. Like I'm there. I see the movie. I'm in the movie. It's just, it, it, and you're a very good storyteller. But also, <laughs> Vipassana scares me so much. Yeah. Terrifies yeah. me. Terrifies me. Because of I exactly also love that that's. I also love that that's your boys trip. That's like what you guys yeah, do. Yeah, aren't you like, not supposed to be able to like talk to anyone while you're there or like even look at anyone while you're there? We are the worst. <laughs> when we go to Vipassana together, we fuck with each other so much. It's hilarious. Like we're very serious the first four days we're in practice. By day five, I'm throwing a shoe at Dave like across the room. <laughs> like, like we had this, we did a Sri Lanka trip together. And by day five, six, we started hiding each other's stuff, like hiding each other's shoes. <laughs> and so I took one of Dave's shoes and I went into his room and I tied it to the top of his mosquito net. <laughs> and he was looking everywhere for it because he had my shoe a couple times already. So we knew we were, it was on. Like yeah. this game is on. Yeah. We were messing with each other from here on end, right? We would take one of each other's shirts and wear it around the whole center. Like I'm clearly wearing your shirt. And like, oh, you yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you can't, you can't say anything. You're in silence. You're like, mm-hmm. I'll get you later. In your head, right? Like, mm. You know, kind of thing. And so I tied his shoe to the top of the mosquito net. And Dave is not tall. He couldn't reach it, right? <laughs> Sorry, he's He's, he's, he's in his room and he can't reach his own shoe and he has to silently be like come on man like can you get my shoe for me <laughs> I had to go up and I, like I was gonna oh, ask no no it's funny I was actually gonna ask like when you're in there when you said like he's silently asked well maybe you meant he gestured but like do you guys get yeah. like super intuitive and like psychic and like telepathic in there yeah well actually what was even cooler was that uh, where were we I think it was the Malaysia one Dave wasn't there. Dave broke his foot and got hit by a bus like a month before. I, yeah, it was a crazy time. (laughs) So he was in, he was in Hong Kong and he wanted to sit with us, but he couldn't travel. So he did have a bus in his apartment in Hong Kong. He was another, he had a place in Hong Kong as well. And so he did have a bus in tandem while we did it in Malaysia. And I swear we were having conversations. I was in the private meditation cell and I was channeling Dave. Like we have such a close connection that I could like, I could feel him, you know, and, and I was like, bro, I feel like we were talking a bunch of times. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Dave's mystical. And, yeah. and I love that about, um, is it heart coherence or uh, non-local communication? I know Deepak Chopra talks about it a lot. And it's like, you, you know, when you get close enough with someone and your heart resonates with someone enough that you're able to communicate with them, you feel them. And then you're able to like guess they messaged you, you know, and in mm-hmm. Boston, it happens like on steroids. Like I was able to guess so many things that were happening outside and the weirdest one was, I was like, man, my parents' dog, this Shih Tzu named Ralph. That dog is so dumb. Uh, sorry, RIP Ralph. Um, and so during during that, I was like, Ralph is old. Like, I wonder how Ralph's doing. He's probably, he's just, I thought about him on like day six, like this little dog with the underbite. That's how he looked. And I was like, I wonder how Ralph's doing. And then when I got out, my mom's like, sorry to tell you Ralph died. <laughs> he was like 15 year old Shih Tzu. And I was like, dang, but I thought it like I, it like yeah. came through, you know, it's like, I never think about Ralph. Yeah. yeah. RIP Ralph. Wow. RIP yeah. Ralph. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I feel like Vipassana, and I'm not saying it right, but I feel like that's, it's the one thing that every, it's like Moldavite. Every time it comes up, it makes me go, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not touching that. I'm not working with that. And I've told the story in the podcast, but, and someone watching is the one who sent it to me. She sent me all these, or one of our listeners sent me all these amazing crystals as a gift. And then the last one I opened up was Moldavite and it dropped out on my lap. And I was like, ah, I don't want this. I'm scared of this. But I sat with it. I Why? worked with it. I don't know. In, in, in my world, everyone talks about it as like, yo, don't work with this crystal unless you want your life to be like fucked up in 24 hours, basically. What? No, I'm telling you in the in the States, that's how Moldavite is perceived is like, oh, like you want your life to literally be turned upside down. You take the, you, you work with it. You take this crystal. You take this crystal. Yeah. Um, really? Yes, well, really. Why don't, you ex- 
why don't you experiment it with someone you hate and just like give it to them as a gift and then see what happens to them. Like, <laughs> Maybe I, that's what our listener was doing. <laughs> just kidding. No, well, well, what happened was when it dropped out on my lap, I was like, ah, like this came to me in the mail. Like I said, I never wanted to touch it and now it's here. And then, and then I was like, well, I could like throw it as far, you know, out my window or something, or I could sit here and I could just feel what I feel about it. So I sat, I felt what I felt about it. And I ultimately concluded, actually, no, I, this feels good to me. I actually feel a lot of energy coming from this. It feels good. I worked with Mm -hmm. it. It actually did shift some shit around pretty quickly for me, but it was all good. Um, so anyway, what I was talking about, (laughs) the reason that came up was because Vipassana is the same way. Every time it comes up, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. There's no, there's no way I'm doing that. And part of me is like, yeah, you're, you're going to do that. You're going to do that. So, um, it's just very scary. Every month we're doing, I'm probably, Dave probably told you, but we have free Vipassanas every month, the whole world online at your house yeah. is hard. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I would recommend maybe your first one. You could totally do it if you like lock yourself away and that's cool. Cause yeah. you're in the comfort of your home, but you don't have the distractions and like no Netflix and any of that. It yeah. Really be proper. And in the States there's epic Vipassana centers. Like yeah, they're really good. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they wouldn't be so uncomfortable like that. We've, we've been to some horror ones oh my god the one where i hid dave's shoes in sri lanka it used to be a prison and it's like oh they built god. it like it looks like they built it 70 percent of the way and they were like good enough and it, was like, <laughs> <laughs> it, was so, it was so bad <laughs> that was horrible and then the nepal one looked like an al-qaeda training camp like we walked in and we're like you could absolutely train terrorists here like it just oh looked, it felt, it, it had that, it felt like that. And it was in the Buddha's birthplace in Lumbini. So we thought wow. it was going to be supercharged and it was like yeah. the worst center of moldy rooms. I'm sorry, Lumbini wow. Vipassana Center. I don't mean to bag on you guys, but you need to upgrade. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're watching right now. They're probably yeah. you just yeah. got called <laughs> out. Sorry, um. Lumbini. <laughs> so how do you help people? How do you help people currently? And tell us how you help people transition to Bali and work oh, yeah. from Bali and do all the things. Absolutely. Let's talk about Bali. I love doing this. You know, it's, it's, it's my favorite thing because Bali saved my life. And I saw just how important it is to get like a new environment. Like it really did help to get out of where I was around the people who thought the same way, go to the land of eat, pray, love and be around a bunch of hippies that thought differently. And I could be a new person there. And I just chose to be this Aaron when I got there. No one knew me as, you know, Aaron from East Vancouver. I could be I could be someone else. And that was so freeing, you know, and so coming to Bali was so, so massive for me traveling anywhere alone is such a beautiful practice and it's so freeing it doesn't have to be bali but anywhere you go by yourself that's a huge that's that's a big step in personal development in my opinion and not going to like you know vegas by yourself or like cancun to drink in a pool no go, (laughs) go travel and experience stuff right and so you know, I coach people in, in rebranding themselves. You know, it could be, you know, creating their own business, but it could, uh, it could also be actually creating something that's going to be really special uh, within their own, with what they want to create, like relationships or, or a new sense of themselves, new confidence, but especially in the systems and what it takes to be your own boss. Because that's what I really had to cultivate. You know, I didn't get a business degree. I got a degree in the streets. But what it showed me was how to create rapport, uh, logistics, reading people, intuition, um, uh, making connections, you know, and being resourceful. And so those things really do help in actually being your own boss and being an entrepreneur, figuring things out, problem solving, you know, and those are, those are important things to actually bridge. Um, so bringing people to Bali in the last, I'm a connector. That's really what I do. I'm not, you know, I'm not really, I'm not a tattoo artist. I own two tattoo shops. You know, I'm not a, a yoga teacher. I'm a partner in Yogi Lab. You know, it's it's what really helps is I'm not a tech guy. I'm a partner in a tech company. It's it's because I connect and and I'm able to connect with people, see what what ways we can work with each other. And what I'm best at is putting people in the position to succeed. And that's, I've realized that's what I was always been, what, what, what my genius is. Um, so what I'm helping people at now is putting them, getting them themselves to put themselves in the position where they can succeed. So we find out what you're good at, what you do for free, what your passion is, and how to actually monetize that into your purpose and passion and also help other people. Contribution is a huge part in my coaching. It's like, how are you impacting the world? Because if you're actually a positive impact and you're, you're helping people, you're building a good life for yourself. Your, your quality of life improves. Your confidence improves. Your self-worth improves. All that shame you might have been feeling about something else, it, it lessens because you know, like, hey, you're, you're helping other people. It's actually one of the biggest cures for depression. You know, it's like there's been times where I've been super depressed, 
like I was, I was contemplating suicide when I didn't know that I could go on the, on the spiritual path. I'm just going to be a fuck up in my life, you know? And then I really thought, well, if that's the case, go be a monk and go, go to devote yourself to service. And as soon as I thought like, Oh, I could just be in service instead. It made me really pause the brakes on really damaging self-talk really, really like self-harming thoughts. It's like, no, you can go and help other people instead. And that, that shifts things around, you know, we, we can heal a lot of ourselves by being of service to others. Um, so the coaching and getting people here, I've developed a really deep network, you know, um, out here. So I could help people move here, immigration visas, like practical things. I can get them a Balinese family. That'll be their family now and help them through everything, get them picked up at the airport, teach them how to ride a scooter. Like you'll have people when you get here that I've cultivated as my family now. And, you know, they're able to help others. And, and so you have that support from genuine, real, authentic, real deal awesome Bali people um, and uh, help them set up and start their business and know the tricks of the trade out here to actually launch things and make it happen and it be it, it flourish and create your own personal brand and get clear on messaging because a lot of people what, what they don't understand like uh, branding and 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 social media it can seem quite fake but it also can help you in a way to get clear on who you are and what your values are so it starts with like what are your top three values? You know, what do you want? What do you represent in your life? What do you want to be known as your legacy for? And when you really get clear on that, you can start living that out a bit deeper. And if you're not clear on what you want, you don't really manifest it in your life, you know, and that works with everything. Mm. Yeah. Wow. True. Want to move to Bali? Yeah, come on, I'll help you guys. <laughs> we'll just have to convince our husbands and children. No worries, <laughs> no big deal. It'll be it's not a hard. It's not a hard sell. Bali's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because, like, you know, the times that we live in right now with COVID, it's a strange time. My whole family is in Vancouver, Canada, and they have really deep, serious restrictions right now. You can get stopped yeah. driving down the street and question where are you going, and like, yeah, you know, they'll they'll charge you for being outside of like your zone. It's like, whoa that scares me. Whereas here I'm like, la di da on my scooter all day, like, chilling, <laughs> sunshine, palm trees. There's, there's none of that out here. It's really chill. Um, and, and there's not, there's not lots of cases. It's really like, it's, it's really chill. Um, and so it's a very different reality. And I feel really like, Hey man, this is a lot of people. It's the time for their full reset. That's what my coaching is. Mm-hmm. If you want to reset your life, like now seems like a better time than ever to like shift what you're going through. Cause how many of us are going to go through even deeper mental health issues while they're stuck at home? They're not having connection. There's not a lot of money out there right now for, you know, to start a business in, in during these times out there, you know, it's like, it's a perfect time out of necessity and desperation really breeds like pressure makes diamonds. It's the time to reset and go do something else. Cause it's not, it's not on and popping right now because of COVID in North America. Oh my God. If I was like a single like person who didn't know what I was doing, I would be on the next plane to Bali. You would have sold me in this one conference. I'd be like, yep, mm-hmm. let's do it. I already looked up flights and it won't let me even like look at it. I'm not going to lie to you. It's like um, air flight is restricted in this area. What? Oh, yeah. Where, where are you guys? Um, I'm in, in Virginia. Okay. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Philly. I didn't look. I didn't see that, but Ambie said it was restricted. But, but Jessica, who was on uh, Facebook, said next retreat, like to Bali and uh, Dave, who we had on. Um, so we just we just launched our most recent retreat um, after since the pandemic. We're going to Sedona, and we are essentially sold cool. out. So then Dave, when he was on, he was like, oh, by the way, if you guys want to host a retreat at my Bali Retreat Center, talk to Aaron about it. (laughs) That was when I looked up flights and I was like, Uh we're going. Let's do this. Let's start. Let's start going. And yeah. the, the airline uh, was like, don't even fantasize about that. Well, you <laughs> guys so would dumb. love the Astana. It's a cliffside retreat, meditation, luxury, like We've been center. insta-stalking. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've already shown my husband, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my so husband hard. agrees too. He's on board as well, so. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a tough sale. Nope. No, it's really, really not. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So uh, yeah, uh, inner bloomers, please stay tuned um, because we're 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 manifesting that. This is in the works, guys. Yes, yes it's in the yes. works. Erin, uh, Erin, okay. 
Liz says, I'm in. Great. Uh, it's already selling. Sells we already have some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. Aaron, how can people get in touch with you? Um, I'd say Instagram's the easiest way. My Instagram is ink underscore pray underscore love. Like eat, pray, love. I'm that cheesy. And yes, oh that's a real God, story. Oh my God, I just got that. That's yeah. cute. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. That's so right. cute. I'm going to follow you. I own tattoo now. shops, eat, pray, love. Julia Roberts saved my life. Shout out to Julia. You're my girl. And so like it really- She's watching too. She's a big fan of ours. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the Lumbini Vipassana Center and Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that real quick that lumbini vipassana center had like a a, a a clan of monkeys that lived there like these big like some of them were like massive alpha male monkeys that were so scary and then like a whole bunch of little monkeys and they would steal your food they'd be eating and they'd be having sex right in front of you and it was all the things all the things you wanted to do while you're in a vipassana center you can't have these monkeys are living their best life like right in front of you like eating and having sex and looking at you like what <laughs> So funny. That's so funny. Taunting yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. taunting you. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. By the way, um, well, first of all, Liz said, please take my money. Jessica said, <laughs> Jessica said, I've been following you on Instagram and was geeking out seeing you here today. Cool. Crossover. Nice. Love it. I love yeah, it. cool, cool. Love it. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Erin, it has been such a pleasure having you on. You're just such an amazing spirit and soul and, and energy. This is just such a delight to connect with you. And thanks for sharing everything you did. It's really inspiring. Uh, thank you. I had so much fun. And it was so great to talk to you both. Thank you. I really appreciate having me on. Yeah. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad that our we were in the same vibration to where we could have this meeting. So. <laughs> <laughs> makes me happy yeah <laughs> uh, well thank you everyone for watching on facebook stay tuned for our bali retreat um upcoming at some point um yeah. and uh, make sure you go follow aaron on instagram we love you all so much until next time keep on blooming bye bye everybody if you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within. 